Hey everyone, I'm Yoshi Fields, one of the creators of Groundwork. I'm usually behind the scenes editing and producing all the episodes, and you might have also heard me in a couple of stories this season. I did the first episode where we looked at the current protest movement in Israel and the place of Palestinian rights in that movement. I also did an episode called Echoes of Home. It's a story about a guy named Wasim and his journey through war and violence from a refugee camp in Syria to Gaza to the West Bank. In each of those places, he finds a unique Palestinian struggle and identity. And in each of these places, he tries to figure out how he fits in. So if you haven't already, check those stories out along with all of our previous episodes. This week, we're featuring a story from a different show, a show called Unsettled, which I also actually worked on as a producer when it was just starting. The podcast Unsettled features difficult conversations and diverse viewpoints on Israel-Palestine and the Jewish diaspora. Highly recommend. And today we're going to play an episode of theirs. Groundwork will be back in a week with our own Groundwork episode. But for now, I'll give you The Calderones Are Unsettled, Part 1. My name is Asaf, and I am one of the producers here at Unsettled. You haven't heard from me in a while, so let me reintroduce myself. I was born in Israel in 1991, and my parents raised me as a Zionist. For them, Zionism means a commitment to the idea of the Jewish state. Even if it doesn't mean that they support the government, or the 1967 occupation. My parents raised me to think critically, to pursue justice, and to fight against injustice, even if it means going against what most people consider normal. But there were always some things that were beyond the pale, things that we did not talk about. As I developed my own political understanding, I started to examine these taboo topics, and I realized that even though our core values remain the same, there is now a deep ideological rift between me and my parents. In this episode of Unsettled, I sit down with them to discuss that. This is Asaf Calderon, and you're listening to Unsettled. My parents are what Israelis call Smolanim, leftists. They first met in the 1980s while organizing with a group called Shalom Achshav, or Peace Now which is part of a leftist Zionist movement against the occupation of the West Bank and Gaza. At one point, this movement was so influential that it helped push Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin to sign the Oslo Accords, which were supposed to lead to a two-state solution, a Jewish state and a Palestinian state living peacefully side by side. As you probably know, this never happened. There is no Palestinian state, there is no peace, and most Israelis aren't even talking about it anymore. My parents are not trying to paint a rosy picture of Zionism, like many American liberal Zionists do. And they don't showcase the general disregard for justice and equality that many right-wing Zionists do. Taking a close look at their version of Zionism may help us answer a question that many here in America have been asking. Are Zionism and progressive politics compatible? So, last summer, my parents, Nisim and Rivka, came here to New York to visit me, and finally I asked them to sit down and record this discussion. It was easier to get my dad to do it, it took a bit longer to convince my mom, but eventually she relented. We sat down in their Airbnb and talked it through. This ended up being pretty long, so we split it into two episodes, and what you're about to hear is part one. In part two, it gets a little bit more heated. But at the beginning of our discussion, we talked about how my parents got to where they are. Their childhood, their military service, and the political activism that eventually brought them together. Well, I was, I was raised in a communist family. 
My father was a communist. I was in the party from the age of fourteen until the age of twenty, and I was very active. I, it was every night. It was seminars. It was giving leaflets, taking part in demonstrations. I read seriously Lenin and Marx. This is my dad, Nissim. He was born in Tel Aviv in 1947, one year before the establishment of the State of Israel. What was the party like back then? The party was, uh, first of all, being in a communist party is very much like an army. You are a soldier. It is not just your one day or another day. It's the whole life. It's dedicated. So, well, first of all, Did you organize I, I really don't know this by the way when you were in your like um, group that you were organizing with did you organize with uh, Jews only no no the one great thing about the Communist Party that was always Jews and Arabs together the whole thing that unlike the majority of Israelis for me for us Jews and Arabs are equal is was Yehudim and Arabim מסרבים להיות אויבים. Was this used back then? Of course. Wow, okay. Yes, it's an... אחווה יהודית ערבית. אחווה יהודית ערבית. אחווה יהודית ערבית. Yes, it's not יהודית ערבית. קומראצ'יפ. קומראצ'יפ. Jewish ones, that is. And your idea at that point was, I'm gonna... Sort of like participate in the Zionist game but eventually there will be a revolution I'll tell you at that time I was ambivalent about Zionism I was not of, of, I was not of one mind and there is another thing communists always accepted nationality both Jewish and Palestinian yeah always they respected nationality and And they asked for self-determination for the two nationalities. Yeah. So I can evade the dilemma of Zionism okay. by saying that I am contributing to the, sub- to the self-determination of Jews. Okay. So it's kind of the revolution is kind of besides the point because there will be a, a Zionist a communist state eventually. I, I must tell you that at that period when I went to the army, There was another element. We felt that the communist dream, communist heaven, is less and less relevant. Okay. We were ambivalent about the dream, okay. the big dream. Okay. But we still believed in reality, in reality. And we deeply believed that we have to change, A, the social structure of Israeli, difference between poor and rich, and The, discrim- the clear discrimination of Arabs. Mm-hmm. And what happened in the army? You served during the war. Yes. Six, But the war, war, yes, six, the Sixth Seven War, I, I, we were in Yad Chana, and it is the narrowest part, narrowest part of Israel. Yeah. And uh, we were in Khafirot, trenches. Trenches, yeah. Trenches. And uh, they were shooting. Over our head. We didn't shoot. It was over our head. But the thing that you got, you got uh, jaundice. 
Yeah, but this is not has nothing to do with the war. It wasn't. No, I, no. I always imagine that you were no, in the trench. No, 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 no. <laughs> army is a dirty no. place. <laughs> All armies are dirty. All armies are dirty. And and I'm telling you, the fear that I have from a bullet that the Jordanians will shoot at me was not even one percent from the fear that I was from my commander that yeah. he will give me orders. I, I mean that's. <clears throat> If you look at, at how people actually die in the military to this day, it's usually not from enemy bullets. It's usually from yeah. um, accidents, from accidents, from dehydration, from suicide, from illnesses, um, and uh, from negligence. Making the human being a soldier is dehumanizing, really. <laughs> to prepare you to kill and to be killed is dehumanizing. And this is the price that human beings are paying for military that even the needed military yeah to for defense but it's a deep terrible price my mom Rivka was born in 1954 in the northern part of Israel I was born in a small village in the Galilee and um, the whole village the, the people voted uh, basically for the for the labor party mm-hmm. I remember my mother voted for my pa which was a leftish mm-hmm. a leftish uh, uh, party but I never I don't remember anything that she used to say about being leftish so I, I guess it was a kind of a fashion or what, mm-hmm. whatever people from the other kibbutzim came and told us the, what what to vote for so I guess that's what, that's what she voted but what so kind I, of what kind of community was it It was Moshav Shitofi, that's the name mm-hmm. of the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, of, some of the people that, uh, that erected it came from, uh, they, they were, were born Israelis, mm-hmm. but most of the population of the Moshav, when I grew up, were people that came from the Holocaust, and some of them came directly from concentration camps, And some, like my mother, my mother and father came from uh, exile to Russia and then, uh, and then back to Germany and from Germany to Italy, to Cyprus, uh, to Israel when the, when the state was erected. Uh, and uh, most of them were Holocaust, Holocaust survivors. It wasn't easy to grow in such a village and to face a... face the gola the exile the exile all the time and we wanted so much to be I wanted so much to be an Israeli and yet most of the people in the village including my uh, my parents were people from there people from Europe people from burning Europe and they were it wasn't sexy to be to be to be in this part I wanted to be at the part of the others that they were is born Israeli I wanted so much to be in Israeli and my parents actually and uh, they tried to speak they did efforts to speak Hebrew they, they spoke some Yiddish um, in between themselves uh, so that I would understand but most of the time they spoke Hebrew and my mother taught me a good Hebrew and she wanted me to be an Israeli She hated Poland, the place she came from. She never went to visit. 
So, uh, so that's the way I grew up. I wanted to be an Israeli. And for me, joining the army was one of the, one of the steps an Israeli should, should go. And I, was, I, I did it happily, happily. I, I was afraid of going to the army because I, I, I myself, I didn't know how I will react in such a, such a um, rigid organization. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not easy. But then I, I think I did a good job and I enjoyed it. And I think it was very important to my life being in the army. I know it's not popular to say today, <laughs> especially not here between you and you. To be clear, my mom didn't take part in the 1967 war. She's younger than my dad, so she served later. And in any case, she was not a combat soldier. Yes, it's not popular, but I, what I have to admit, I have to admit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it and it was a great period, although I never thought of doing a career out of the army. <laughs> and I, I was very happy that the situation was over. But I enjoyed it and I learned a lot about myself. I did, I did, I, I found in myself a, a strength that I didn't know I have. And it was very important to me. You psychologically suffered in the army and I had a, a period of flourish. And talking about, about my, uh, my, my political observation. So when I joined the army, I didn't have one, actually. I actually didn't have one. I remember the 67 war. I was 13 years old and I was so happy. <laughs> and I went to the Kotel and I went to the places, to Bethlehem and, and all the, the rest of the occupied territories. And I, I enjoyed every minute. And I was part of the Israeli glory. I, I, I didn't have any doubt. And when I joined the army, this, I, I didn't have any any other any opinion that was different from the most of the Israeli Israelis but then I met in the army some uh, intelligent uh, I remember a friend of mine from Jerusalem and she she was the first one that started to talk politics with me and I suddenly realized what a what a, a frigid situation we, we live and it's, it was the first time I heard I understood that we are actually occupying lands mm. um, not not as up and I'm talking only of what after 67 I never I never thought that uh, that we shouldn't we don't have a right to, to be here and since then I started uh, I, I was interested more and more and I remember when I released from the army I voted I started to vote for the left Um, when did you start uh, organizing with Shalom Akshav? So after after the army, I went to the university, and of course, in the university, I I continued continued to enlarge my my education in politics in in many ways. I met many people and we talked, and, and then at, uh, when I I finished my uh, my BA. And uh, when I heard that Shalom Akshav was founded, I, I remember I was in an, uh, in a, an archaeological dig excavation. <laughs> By the way, uh, my mother is an archaeologist. She used to be once, yes. No, no, still, still. I, I remember I suddenly felt that this movement was founded for me, especially for me. And the day we came back to, to the city, I lived in Jerusalem then, 
I started to look for, for the, where are they? I, I, I wasn't in the first demonstration, it was in Tel Aviv, because at that time I was in the archaeological excavation. So I, the first thing I did when I came back was to, um, was to, to, to try to look for them. I asked them, what can I do? How can I help? And they told me, look, there is, a, there is an office in Jerusalem. You can come and just help us. So I, uh, I, I went to the, to the office and with some of my friends, writing letters and helping in, in, in answering to people, to people that asked, uh, wanted to know more about this now. And the office wasn't far from my place I live. And I, I used to go there almost every day. What did you um, fight for? What was Shalom Akshav all about? Shalom Akshav was defining that, uh, that occupation destroys Israel and occupation should disappear, should, should be so. No more occupation. At the time, did they say how to solve it? No. Until uh, 88, they didn't say exactly how. They said... We are demanding our government to choose one of the one of the solutions that are on the table. There were lots of maps around <laughs> on the table. I don't remember all of them, and and the, and the, the the idea was do whatever you can, but finish with the occupation. We don't say a, a Palestinian state because at that time it was one of the solutions. But we didn't didn't claim for it because it wasn't legal then. Yeah. We shouldn't we shouldn't say we shouldn't use the Palestinian flag. The Palestinian flag was uh, illegal and we should it shouldn't be on in demonstrations. Some of our demonstration people used to bring it, and this was made a big mess all over a scandal. The peace now is uh, is uh, is uh, supporting the the Jewish the nation uh, the Jewish nation uh, enemies. Yeah. Yes. So we should we shouldn't say it. Only at 80, 88, I don't remember remember exactly what happened at that, at that year that, that made the Palestinian state as a, 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 legit, a legitimate solution. So since then, we started to talk about two states to, for two nations. Okay, back to you. So yeah. after the army, you had a change of mind. Yeah, it, was, it came with, with the invasion of Czechoslovakia. That brought to an end all the hesitations that we already had. I would say, first of all, the party was divided. The Jews and Arabs made two parties. That was a big tragedy, but that was a fact. But quickly, it took to me months to come to my friends and told them, look, I know that I'm breaking your heart, but I find myself in which I'm taking from the party one thing. Hmm which is solidarity between Jews and Arabs. All the rest I can't take anymore, which means I don't believe in the Marxist theory. I don't believe that class fight is the one determined society. And I don't believe in the communist future of human beings. Yeah. I lost all, the, all, all this. I, I simply don't believe in it. And then quick, I would say more or less quickly, I found myself close to peace now. And by quickly, he means 20 years later, and after being married twice, getting tenure as a professor of Hebrew literature, publishing a few books, and becoming a pretty well-known lefty writer and pundit. But anyway... And then I, we, we met while the activity of peace now. That was the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me, tell me. How? 
89, I will tell you. She will tell you. 89, I was one of the, one of the, I wouldn't say that I was one of the central people in Peace Now because I was never talking. So I was... Because I, she is modest. No, no, because I'm modest. No, no, no. I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I, I did... I would lot. say they talk too much. <laughs> And if I was there to tell them, finish talking, let me deci- decide what we should do and I'll do it. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yes. that's, that's really organized. We decided together. Okay, I was also part of the, the decisions, but I wasn't very, I wasn't very central in, very, very important in talking. So anyway, so one day at 89, Peace Now decided to do a big, a big international demonstration. People will stand and hold hands, Israelis and Palestinians and some international left-wing people. people from all over the world and we will surround the the old city of Jerusalem the eastern part of Jerusalem well this was a great idea but we our organization was so small I was the center of this organization it was unbelievable unbelievably amateur so I remember sitting with a woman that came from Tel Aviv we were talking about people that can help us this and this and this and she mentioned the Abba's name <laughs> Nisim Calderon, and of course I knew the name because he was famous because he wrote books and he was famous in, his, uh, in, in the left-wing world. He was, he was famous, relatively famous. So she said, yeah, yeah, he also, he, he can help. Uh, she went back to Tel Aviv and she told Nisim, listen, there's a Rivka Birger, this was my name. This is her number, just call her and she will tell you what to do. I called her. <laughs> and I, I had the, I, I had the feeling that it has nothing to do with organizing the demonstration. I, we met at a cafe Atara in the center of Jerusalem and we knew immediately that something is something is mm-hmm. and, and we, we didn't talk about uh, organizing the demonstration <laughs> not at all. From him I understood nothing will come out for the demonstration but maybe for my life. <laughs> wait so so you didn't hold hands in the demonstration? Yes ah. yes okay wait a minute And then it was about two weeks before the demonstration before the, the demonstration started. And I was very much into working on the demonstration and meeting other people and organizing and organizing from him. Nothing, nothing came out, came out. I knew that he would help me. And then at the demonstration itself, suddenly people noticed. I stand near Mr. Calderon <laughs> and I hold his hand. And when people were, were, were holding hands and then people stopped holding hands, but we continued. <laughs> so, did, you, did you ever circle on Jerusalem? No, we didn't, <laughs> okay. and, and there was a big mess. <laughs> the demonstration didn't succeed. It ended tragically. It, it, it ended tragically. The police used water, yes. water cannon, and an yes. Italian woman lost her eye. Oh, no. Lost an eye, yeah. And there was a big mess. We couldn't, we couldn't really control it. So, so this is why we still have the occupation, but also we have... Like me. <laughs> yes, so you came, you are, you are the fruit of this demonstration, exactly. no doubt. The no only good thing. Okay, so, <laughs> so fast forward, right? Uh, fast forward, you're raising me, right, in, in Tel Aviv. And, um, and I'm going to school and I'm learning <laughs> whatever it is you learn in school in Israel, right? <laughs> uh, but also you are teaching me your values. And so I grow up, like, peace now. is a pretty big part of our lives right like I remember one of some of my most like earliest memories 
um, our home-like demonstrations. Um, I remember when I was five, we were at the, the big rally uh, where Rabin was killed. So yeah. we were there just yes. like a few... Yes. Yitzhak Rabin was the Israeli Prime Minister who signed the Oslo Accords. He was assassinated in Tel Aviv in 1995. Oh, you yeah. have memories yeah. of it? I have some memories. Five, yeah. five years old, yes. Politics will always be <coughs> part of our lives. But can you name those values that like, you wanted to so, like, teach me? I'll try. Uh, look, I, 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 for me, it was very important that, that that you will know that the country, the state, are very important to me. But uh, I wanted to be different from what it is, and, and human rights and the, uh, the Palestinian rights are, are important as the Jewish rights, and I as a as a daughter of immigrants that came when this country was founded, when this state, the Israeli state was founded, I wanted to believe that they were thinking about a different Israel and the Israel that, that started to, uh, that we started to see after 67 wasn't the Israel that they were dreaming of. So I wanted very much that you will get, you and Nomi, your sister, will get the, the values that it's it's important to fight for your state, for yeah. your country. To yeah. fight. Uh, to fight to get to get human rights for other people. To, so that to fight to make your country better. Yes. Yeah, I definitely got that. I remember sort of growing up with that being very much present, understood. One of the things that was very important for me to to that I fought for two, two, uh, two states, for two nations, was that the, the occupation corrupts the Israeli society. Mm-hmm. And there's no way you can occupy and it won't affect your, your, your society, your own society. There's no, uh, there's no separation. It comes, whatever goes in the West Bank will come into, into, into Israel. And this was very important to me that in Hebrew, we used to say Hakibush Mashchit, mm-hmm. the, the occupation, occupation Yeah, and, and I think I, I got it. And and you know, I think when I was sort of like going up, like um, becoming like a, a politically aware, like when I was like a young teenager, mm-hmm. um, I was thinking the same way that you were thinking. And then something happened. <laughs> Like something happened, like something changed. And so I want to kind of like tell you, but also think with you about what happened that changed. To me, I think what, what, how it really started was um, because I didn't go to the army. My parents and I pick up the conversation in part two, which you'll find on the Unsettled feed right next to this episode. We talk about the 1948 war, the right of return, and what we want for the future. By force. No, but we had a strong army. That's why we won the war. And yeah. we have the right because Jews could not exist any other place. They would be terminated. Heads up, that's when it gets a little bit heated. That was Asaf and Unsettled. If you want to hear part two, make sure to check out Unsettled wherever you get your podcasts. Groundwork will be back next week with our usual programming, so stay tuned.
And as always, take a second right now to like us, or if you can, rate us wherever you are getting this podcast. It makes a huge difference. See you next week.